Welcome to True House Stories. I am Lenny Fontana coming out of New York City. And this week, I have a duo, a powerhouse duo. Okay, I'm going to bring them up. Uh, a duo that is just humongous. And wherever they left, <coughs> coming out of New York City. This week, I remember coming behind from them playing there. Or, or they just were behind me. And I would hear from the... The, the from the um, the bookers say to me, Jesus Christ! We just had Alex B and Brandon. They just sacked. They ransacked the joint. <laughs> what are you talking about ransacked the joint. Literally raped it. <laughs> I understood what they meant. They cleaned their bar out. <laughs> they made sure they left the place so cleaned out. People would never forget them. And let me tell you, the stories were like that everywhere I played. And the stories where I didn't play, I heard about as well. These two were like sledgehammers banging. They come in, whack out a night, and do it the next night, and do it the night after, <laughs> one night after another, and never stop. So I know we want to get right to this story. I'm not going to talk too much. True House Stories would like to introduce to you my two friends. I've known them forever. My voice is a little shaky because I'm not feeling so good, but I'm okay. I don't have COVID. Let's not go there. Uh, Alex B. and Brandon Block. Block on Alex. What's up? How you doing, Lenny? You good? Blocky, you good? Yes, mate. You all right, brother? Yeah, love you. Good to see you, Lenny. You're looking well, Lenny, by the way, dude. Thank you. I just washed up from my, my monthly bath just for this. <laughs> so, you, man. first, before I get to the first question, let me ask you both how you're hanging on and doing, you know, with this whole, you know, we've been in lockdown, kind of coming out to play. And actually, you all were allowed to come back out the 15th of April, if I'm correct, right? Yeah. I had a terrible time with it, Lenny, to be fair. I lost uh, so much work. Uh, it was probably my biggest. Uh, year was going to be since the 90s to be honest everything had fallen back into place uh we launched a new record label so so records just about everything was falling in place had a lot of festivals a lot of gigs and the whole thing imploded and uh didn't get too much help from the government well none really whatsoever and just had to soldier on and uh live off all my savings which were depleted pretty quick and it was it was a torrid time it was very hard it was an uh a time in my life I'd like to remember. Uh, managed to turn it around though, taught myself some mastering, come out the other side, we spent a lot of time uh, learning logic a lot better than what I did before. Uh, used it as a learning curve, a reset button for myself, to be honest with you. Uh, found, you know, a lot of failings that were in my life before. I feel I've kind of corrected, but time will tell, I suppose. And uh, at the end of the year, I actually landed on my feet and uh, become a director of music at Centre Force Radio. So what was a really torrid time and a real hard time has completely turned around now on its head. So I've had yin and yang. Good for you. Wow, I'm impressed with the... Wait a minute. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. <clears throat> you just say you yeah, can logical as a mastering guy? Yeah, I can master now, brother. I'm Hong Kong Fui. Yeah, I'm like, this is impossible. <laughs> this is totally illogical. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm really impressed. Very oh, good. Well, yeah, I will say this. 
COVID has taught us that you need to pull out every tool you have and make it work, no matter what it takes. Yeah. We've all learned this. Go ahead, Brocco. Well, how the hell have you been doing? How's everything going? Give us. Yeah, well, similar to Alex. I mean, obviously, it was uh, a shock that, you know, when, when you know, we were the hardest hit industry, of course, because there was um, there's nothing you can do about it. It was the last, it, was, it will be the last to be open out of every other business going. Uh, obviously, same with Alex. My career was as as good as it had ever been. We were gigging a lot. We were starting doing gigs together again, and it was it was just nice. And I, you know, I've got to say, peas, I'll, I'll take me out after you, mate. I, love, I think we've done at Centre Force is wicked, and I love that you've done that. It's fantastic. I uh, I went to work for charity because I've done it before, and I I, uh, I knew that um, I could do outreach work, which is going to see people as a like an essential worker. So I, I, I've got a contract contract with the NHS now, oh, um, and I'm and I've got spiders in here, and um, part of the deal from the NHS. It's a cobwebs. Wait, 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 wait. You have shakes. You got me out. You got me out. Of the, uh, you got me out. Of the club, but then, yeah, the cobwebs have come off now. So. Um, Oh God! Yeah, uh, so I, I, you know, I, I had to make ends meet as we do. We didn't get a lot of help from the government, and yes, you know, so uh, I did the job, and uh, I'm still doing it now. So, uh, but you know, obviously, gigs again booked up again, and fingers crossed they all work, and uh, everyone, I, you, know, you know, people will make their own minds up. I don't think you know, there's got a lot, a lot of people who want to go out again, and a lot of people who, who are obviously uh, be wary about it. But you know, it's like anything in life. It, goes round, it will be a period of time and so it'll be something we have to live with uh, or learn to live with, which I think we've done anyway. Um, and I think, we, you know, it, it was a tough time for us all, but we adapted, uh, as Alex said. Yeah. Uh, did what we needed to do. I mean, I I, uh, I didn't immerse myself in as much music as Peasy, but, you know, I did that morning show on Facebook because I, I, woke, I woke up like two, or I think it was a week into lockdown and I thought, how can I because uh, I was doing some stuff on, with, about mental health on Facebook anyway and doing some lives and stuff and um, uh, talking much like this really, but uh, uh, a couple of years ago. And then uh, I thought, well, I just spoke to Ricky and said, I'm going to play, I'm going to go on Facebook and play a few tunes in the morning, just go live. And then I did it and he joined us and, and then Alex come on and then I just called in. Uh, sorry, I didn't get you by the way, but um, it was just off no. the cuff. Every morning, it was just like off the cuff and just calling up friends and we'd just play a few records, have a chat. And then, and it, it turned out being really popular. Um, so, you know, it worked and I did it every morning. So, you know, committed to every morning for like, well, seven, eight months, in fact. So yeah. it was a little bit of a job, a little bit of a job to organise it every morning and, you know, but, and with technical problems and, and this and the other. But it was... Um, it was it was a learning experience. So you know you do draw your tools and you have to manage your your mental health. And and you know the thing that happened for me, you know, unbeknown and not knowing that you know the stress we're under underlying. I uh, you know got when Boris mentioned when was it the like in April? When, no, sorry, in uh, February when he said that the actual lockdown was coming to an end and there was a way out, a proper way out, not going to be another lockdown and uh, be another wave as such. But I just sort of cried because. You know, it was like you've been living on this edge for that long, you know, and, and we, we adapt as humans. We get to 
to get into that, uh, you know, that, that way of thinking and way of living. And it was a way of living. We learned to live in lockdown. We learned to live with the restrictions and we adapted. But now, you know, it's another, uh, another way out and, uh, we, we will learn. And, you know, it's good that we can do this exactly. Talk to you, talk to Alex by the, the means of technology. You didn't get the memo from the prime minister. Yeah, about being yeah go on, go on. What's the memo? Yeah, you didn't get the memo that said you need to be retrained. <laughs> you want retrained? Yeah, retrained into a new skill. Well, yeah. listen, yeah, you know what? Ah, yeah, I did you get the memo. You know, involvement in music. Listen to this, right? Listen to this, right? When they, when if you noticed, I'm right. This is my. I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any means. I didn't do all that shit, but. Did you notice as soon as, as soon as there was a lockdown and, and, and people were, uh, the marketing people, let's say the marketers, learn a new skill, get on my site, learn this, do my program, let's do this, get, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you must be mad, son. <laughs> How do you expect us to manage the, the, the biggest change in our lives that we've, we've, come across and 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 I I mean for me personally I sat down and I thought I'm gonna take stock of my life and just chill out a bit. You don't realise, you know, you do you, we're getting on a bit. I don't know if you've noticed everyone who's watching. Um, <laughs> we're not in our the years anymore and uh, and I just thought, you know what, I, I I sort of I looked and I thought, what do I actually you said what do you need? And I asked, well what do I need in my life? And I looked round and we woke up every morning, most of us, put our jogging bottoms on come and sat in the computer room, mucked about with music, went and uh, did a few Zoom meetings, and then went and watched Netflix. <laughs> 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 and binge, but binge watch, like for five, six hours. Well, and yeah. yeah. You know what I noticed I was doing? I, I, uh, I don't know if there's anyone else like this, but I noticed that I was trying not to watch any violence or gore or any of that stuff. I was trying to flip through for the family stuff. <laughs> feel good, feel good films and all that stuff. So it was a, it was an experience, mate. You know, it's great to be with you two and, uh, you know, have a, have a, have a talk about the, uh, the, 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 the last, you know, year and whatever it is going on. Cause you know, it, you know, it, um, it was just, I mean, you, you connected again, didn't we? Although it wasn't, in front, although it wasn't together, but we did reach out. I noticed I reached out to many people who I'd maybe lost touch with for a period of time. So there was a lot of, you know, although, you know, God rest the souls to people who lost their lives and it's a terrible, terrible tragedy, you know, uh, on a personal level, it was, it was a, uh, a reflection and, you know, con- you know, reaching out and meeting old friends and, you know, just saying, how are you at least? So, yeah. As humans, we got to connect, man. You know, we miss all that stuff. So, you know, you got to be aware that you're isolating. You know, that's a, that was a terrible thing for people. It was good for me as well, connecting with Riyadh, my youngest son. Yeah. Uh, I realised how much time I was just like uh, spending away from him. It made it apparent and it was so much more fun to spend the time with him as well. And also I lost my father as well at the very start of the COVID, which uh, wasn't a good start <laughs> to it all. Uh, and yeah, I connected really closely to Rio through that that whole period, and so it was a good thing. And you know, there are many positives out of it, as uh, uh, as many as you can find. Is the negatives to be fair? But for me, it's a time I want to put behind me, and a time now I'd like to uh, not spend too much time on in distant years to come. 
Okay, now. Forward. Onwards and upwards. Let's move forward. Now. Even. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go backwards now, boys. Very forward. I have to turn my back on you now. <laughs> you know what? That's probably your best side, son. <laughs> the back side is the best. <laughs> Everyone, when he puts his hand up in the air for a big tune. Okay, so here we go. First question I ask all my participants. How does music find you guys as young lads? And take it from there. Easy. Do you want to go? How does, how does well, sorry? How does the music find you as a young kid? How oh, as a young kid? Or you, oh, or find you? It was, um, it was really strange for me. I was always fascinated by music, even from like a really young age. I used to uh, take the top 20. I think a lot of people did that when they were kids. And yeah. I tried to make it without any uh, vocals in between with a tape to tape and whatever. But I was lucky enough to have a, uh, like a DJ set up at my school, believe it or not. And uh, I remember playing such fine tunes as Everybody was Kung Fu fighting. Uh, <laughs> substitute, <laughs> clout, and yeah. five, substitute. Uh, seven, five. And I used to go them, and but it just fascinated me these sounds coming from like a seven-inch piece of vinyl into a stylus. Uh, I've also, also always been uh, fascinated in tech technology as well, and uh, it, it was a feeling that you got from the music from a real early age. It was uh, kind of like impregnated into me that feeling, and. Uh, it, it just went on and on. And I also, uh, to an early age, just helped a guy called Don. He had a mobile disco called Don's Disco. <laughs> the lights and uh, when he went off for a packet of fags and a pint of lager, I'd put a couple of tunes on behind him. <laughs> so, yes, at 13, 14, I was out and about treading the boards. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, if you, that's, that's how it found me. Then I went through different stages in my life. Got Even got yeah. into the punk, punk side of stuff. Loved a bit of punk. Loved a bit of new wave. Love the new romantic. Uh, all, all, all through that, I was still clubbing, though. I was loving my disco, my funk, my soul. Uh, I used to go for the, uh, away for the like Margate weekenders and stuff. So weekends from like 14, 15, 16 onwards. And uh, just always had a passion for all different styles of music. So uh, it was just music in general. There was no one real genre that took my fancy. I just was, was across the board. I played bass guitar in a band as well. Oh, you musical training. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, played a bit of slap bass, baby, in a place, yeah, in a band. We, we never got anywhere. <laughs> so you were the Larry Mayer on the band? <laughs> he, he was in level 41. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, I went up a number and made it big time. <laughs> but he's a massive clash before yeah. the clash came out. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Brando, give us give us your upbringing. Go ahead. So, uh, I suppose much similar to Alex. I I uh, I was first, I DJed in my local pub when I was like, I mean, music more has mapped my life. You know, I remember records when my parents were breaking up. That was you know emotive and uh, again, clout substitute. What a record! Yeah, remember that one? Yes, mate. Well, before you move, before you move on, I got to tell you this story. When the first time I bought it. I bought it. I went down to see my uh, grandmother, and my dad uh, gave me a few quid. And I went in a record shop and I bought Substitute Clout. And uh, on the way back home, I put it on the rear window seal of the car. And it was a sunny day, so when I got to my destination, it was completely warped, and I couldn't even buy it. <laughs> I uh, so I, I um, 
Yes, yeah, so I started, just by chance, I was, I, I used to go to the lunchtime discos at school, 13, I was taken in by all my mates who were um, the, the funk and soul dancers and uh, the body poppers and the, it was robot at the time, wasn't it? So I sneaked, sneaked in in the, uh, in the, in the lunchtime disco and that's where I sort of learned my jazz shuffle and uh, listening to Delirium and Space Bass and all that sort of jazz funk early days. Uh and then I ended up doing the, um, I'll tell you a funny story in a minute, but I started doing the, 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 the pub, my local pub. I was 15 and um, I was with Ali, Ali Job, who's my best mate. And um, uh, it, we had the, the name of our disco, right? We, we ended up doing a mobile disco. So we bought a comma van. I went to a, a company we won't know, but Alex will, called Tandy. They were like the, uh, sort of, <laughs> uh, you, you're, uh, the uh, audio, no, they were electronics basically. So you, you went in there and you just, you just, bought anything on credit which you didn't know about <laughs> ended up playing for five, five years down the line going what was I playing for this shit <laughs> and then um, and then uh, we, uh, we, we we bought this equipment and we well, I couldn't pull techniques at the time so we had these belt driven turntables and then um, and then um, before we had the mobile disco I've got to show you the, um, the business card I've got it here somewhere the basics. <laughs> still pumping <laughs> it. Right? Irony. 1985, this is the name of our disco. Ecstasy. Ecstasy Disco. Look. And if you look, right, the, uh, the phone numbers haven't got a uh, dialing code. <laughs> oh, yeah. 2930, everybody. Try try telling that, everyone. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, give me a bell. Call me at home. I'd love to hear from you. And, uh, <laughs> I think Tandy will still be looking for him. 2930, everyone. Please. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it was called Ecstasy Disco. So I suppose the, uh, the, 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 um, what's it, the, the, the road was written, really. So, um, and that, you know, obviously music's, always been a uh, passion and saved you through sort of you know as it you know in lockdown let's say for instance you know we it, it saved us you know yeah. being able to listen to music and uh, connect again and uh you know just uh identify to to uh you felt part of the music you felt part of uh all these different cultures and whatever it was just a great way of growing up you know as it, it uniformed you brought you together and different people different sounds just experiences I always think that we grew up in the best era musically because we oh. crossed we crossed over from from the seventies, which was you know the, the disco and and and, and um, even a bit of rock and roll and and, and rock was coming through. And then the eighties was as they, you know as Pete said, all the genres of music. And I watched the top of the pops the other day, like uh, back to uh, back to the eighties, eighty one or I can't remember, but it was there was like. Twin, about seven different genres of music in the top ten. Yeah, all yeah. punk, star, soul, funk, rock, uh, new wave, new romantic, everything. It was like when you met the whole cross section. We used to listen to that man, eclectic music, and you know you still have memories from all those tunes. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and then yeah, just went on from the disco and uh, <laughs> and I'm then we have a. Other, other avenues to enjoy ourselves with. We'll get to that later. So you both, uh, you know, and I always hear this from a lot of the UK guys, is that, 
you know, when you mentioned records like Space Space and all that stuff, those are jazzy disco records, very, you know, black jazzy style dance records, which are great. It's always to be the same particular records I find that are part of the golden path to house music. Yeah, yeah. It always yeah. seems to go that way. Because it was always, it was always fall to the floor. Then that that was a, you know, it was it was a it was a beat, wasn't it? You could dance to that beat, and uh, that was a progression, a massive progression. You can hear it from the sixties music. You know, you look at your Green Onions and your stuff like that. It's, it's come it's come all the way through. Well, let's not forget the glorious Earl Young with his four four kick sound. Yeah, brother, That's where it comes That's in. Exciting. That's, That's the tribal essence, man. He changed it. He changed it all. And that, you know, that sound, that kick, that constant kick has not stopped, you know? But, you know, now, but Blocker, do you have any musical training or you're just, uh, you're a music aficionado? Musical training? Yes. Yes, I got a clip around the ear when I didn't dance in time. He's <laughs> <laughs> been on the bugle back in the day. I was good on yes, I was very good on that. <laughs> I didn't need any advanced training for the classical bugle. <laughs> wait, those some reason, are, uh, some reason they just fall into my uh, yeah. <laughs> Why did you bring up the bugle? I remember Judge Jules going out with that bugle. Mine <laughs> <laughs> was a slightly different color. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit harder to get hold of as well, isn't it, Blocky? Uh, yeah. And in the long, in the long run, far more expensive. These <laughs> guys <laughs> should left music and did stand-up comedy. They would have made a millions and billions. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I've got a funny story about the uh, brass and bugle and stuff. I, uh, when I was very young, I took an air gun to school, and uh, as the ones you push into the ground, they fire those. You aluminium bullet, you know, not lethal or anything. It's just a, a funny thing to carry around, which weren't thought of bad in those days. And I actually went to shoot someone in the bum. I missed them. It glanced off a steel pole in the classroom and it hit like the, the geekiest guy in the classroom between the eyes. I remember spending the next couple of hours trying to talk him down, uh, you know, telling telling the teachers on me, but to no avail. And I was caught. And I had to go up to see the headmaster and speak to the headmaster. And it was a uh, Quite, quite a daunting time and thing, but I was captain of the school football team and our school football team was doing really well. So in the period of, um, I don't know, a couple of hours, I'd learned about completely shitting myself from fear and uh, fearing the worst and then learning really quickly about politics. How <laughs> to survive as a politician. Uh, <clears throat> so being the school captain of the football team got me off all the trouble, but as a part of the, uh, the sort of rehabilitation I had to learn uh, the life and times of Verdi, and I had to learn how to play trumpet in the uh, school band. So, yeah, that's a bit of my history, playing trumpet. Oh, so you remember when I played it? I took Julesy's one and played it in Scotland, Blocky. So you, you played in a school band, did you? Yeah, man. Oh, look at you, man. Yeah, we learn how we unearth, we unearth things only on True House Stories. Being banned from school. <laughs> I was just a rubber band. <laughs> oh, you didn't have your song from the, the Spinners Rubber Band Man? Yeah, man. <laughs> so, as we get into that, I hear you guys talk about high school and stuff. And I guess, you know, dance music is prevalent in the UK. I mean, I remember 
Quando Quando and those records to the 80s and stuff. Quando Quando, was it, was that uh, Ember Work Company? Yes, and uh, yes, from the M People band. Yes, Robert Humperdinck from Mike Pickering's old band. Yes, with the lead singer Frank Sinatra and all. Right. So, (laughs) so as we go on, you guys leave school. Where does this music thing start to really begin? Where is it? You know, how does it begin for you? You go first on this one, blogging. Um. I mean, look. When you the transition from like. Uh, being allowed in the pub, the natural progression was getting to your first nightclub. And I remember, uh, I remember there was a club around the corner from where we lived, and uh, everyone used to go there. And I was, I was probably a bit too young, so I'll tell you this story. Can come back to bite me in the ass later on. So, okay. bring it on. <laughs> so, um, I went to this club, and they, and they, uh, they wouldn't let me in. So I went home. I got my passport. I changed the date of my passport. <laughs> And they, I got in, but then my passport took me off people about a few years later because it, obviously it was a silly thing to do at the time. I was about 15. Um, yeah, so uh, musically, so nightclubs, I think, you know, the, we was going in the West End and uh, the West End was the place for nightclubs. And, uh, you know, it was thriving. It always was. London's always, I mean, the, the whole of the UK has always been a, a fantastic uh, place for music. And, uh, you know, like the Northern Soul scene up in Wigan Pier and stuff like that was just, you know, incredible. And uh, we embraced all music, Motown, no, uh, all dance music. We embraced uh, soul, funk, everything, really. So, uh, and I think, you know, then once you go into the nightclubs, you you just uh, immerse yourself in that thing. And it was, a, it's always been a, um, it's always been a cultural, isn't it? It's been part of our lives. It's not like, it was never part. It was never like, oh, well, just go out the weekend. It became you immerse yourself in that music. You couldn't wait for the weekend. You couldn't wait for those nights out and spending time dancing and listening to tunes, and then obviously going to the record shops. Um, and I, I suppose that the eighty-eight was a pivotal year. Obviously, we know that because it started, you know, when they came back from Ibiza and started the clubs with Spectrum and Oki and especially for the UK anyway. And uh, Danny was Sherman, you know, Future and Nicky Holloway. <laughs> and it, you know, it, 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 you know, even countrywide it was happening, you know, Hacienda and, you know, up in Scotland and all the South Leeds, all that South Coast, everywhere. It was like, um, am I echoing? So yeah, uh, just I think a normal progression for a lot of people in that era was, uh, especially music-wise, was to do that. And you know, we went to nightclubs, and then it continued, and it was all about the music during the week. You couldn't wait to go to the record shops and buy the new tunes, and you'd be listening to the radio. And and we had a lot of pirate stations as well, which were all you know, uh, so Bobby Vincent and stuff like LWR and Invicta, and you know, Alex runs Centerforce, which is you know the most popular station in probably the UK now. So um, it's uh, it was wonderful. What a, what a journey and. It was a big movement, wasn't it, Brandon? The whole big movement, the whole thing. I mean, mine was slightly different to Brandon. I, lo- I love dancing, and, uh, you know, one of the b- best memories I've got of me and Brandon, he loves his dancing as well. We always uh, fancied ourselves as jazz dancers. And uh, from, like, leaving school, I always loved dancing. And uh, I same remember a group of people that were funketeers, and we could all do our moves and start the West End, follow the crowd around. 
And then um, I had a little different uh, shift into breakdancing and uh, done, done really well in the UK, won a few competitions on television, won kind of like the equivalent of uh, Britain's Got Talent now and ended up touring Europe and, uh, uh, yeah, different parts of the world from like 17, 16, 17 years of age, breakdancing. And uh, my, I saw the other side of it as well and I, I, fell, I fell in love with it that way and learned a lot about different bands and styles and just wanted to go out, like Brandon say, every weekend. It was all about just getting to the weekend, going out, meeting up with your friends somewhere, and dancing the whole night away. And uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant times. And like Brandon's saying, I'm, I'm just like blessed that I was able to meet some amazing people on my journey and, uh, you know, actually go through this. It's just, you know, it's, it's been a blessing. The whole thing. And, then, and then moving forward, when we... I mean, obviously, I'm not sure everyone's aware of my uh, issues back in the day, which I'm thankfully 26 years uh, off now, which is uh, actually, but we, during that time, obviously, we'll talk about Ibiza, I'm sure, and uh, those other bits, but we had a, we had a, the best radio show in, in London. At one oh, yeah, <laughs> on FM, which yeah. Was, uh, Gordon Mack, and who runs my soul now, who I have a show on, but... And we, Gordon came to me actually in space one afternoon, and it was you just don't expect it. You and Alex want a radio show? Yes, we do. <laughs> and uh, and we got back to London, and uh, we had to they had to monitor our show each week. They couldn't let us just go in the studio on our own. We had a producer. We, we had we done two, two a.m. in the morning, didn't we? To start yeah. first one we did was like one till four because they wanted to see how naughty we was going to be, but. Um, <laughs> The funny thing was that, I, I, don't, I don't know, in America, I'm not sure, but back in the day, we used to have a thing called the Flying Eye. And the Flying Eye was a, um, it was a syndicated um, sort of helicopter. We used to deliver the traffic to the radio station so they could then uh, they'd go to the, and we go to the Flying Eye and they'll give you the, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm one right now, the one right now. Don't go down there. <laughs> Don't go down there, it's terrible. And um, they used to love our show. They, they, everyone used to, all the, all the border censors used to listen to our show and the occasional bleep and they, they sort of um, managed to, uh, I don't know, they sort of managed to wipe out the carpet. But generally, they each week they would tune in to see how mad we would get and uh, how we could get in, get away with. <laughs> we created... Uh, I think it's shocking. 